KCSBFM Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Ashley Rush, Internal News Director with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, COVID runs wild in Isla Vista. At least 100 UCSB students have tested positive for the virus. You'll hear from the head of Chancellor Yang's UCSB COVID-19 response team about what students are being told about pandemic protocols when it comes to socializing with their peers. You'll also hear about an ambitious plan to test asymptomatic students and other members of the campus community. Santa Barbara County was very close to moving to the less restrictive orange tier last week, but an outbreak linked several Greek life houses, plus other cases, has set the county firmly in the red tier, indicating substantial disease spread. Santa Maria and Isla Vista are the two hotspots in the county, the areas with the most active disease spread. Now, our county must remain in the red tier for at least two additional weeks and achieve at least two consecutive weeks of meeting all orange tier criteria to officially progress forward to the orange tier, which would allow for more schools and businesses to expand operations. It may be hard to keep Ivy residents from socializing this weekend, with Halloween happening on a Saturday, and it's a full blue moon. But trick-or-treating is discouraged, and efforts are underway to curb wild parties in Isla Vista, especially as COVID outbreaks in IV could set back the entire county from business and school reopenings. Isla Vista's local government, the IVCSD, has teamed up with organizers of Lucidity Festival to present Halloween at Home, Virtually Lucid in Isla Vista. It is happening on Friday night, and everyone is welcome to attend, whether or not you live in Isla Vista. Lucidity is a local organization in Santa Barbara that has been in business for nine years. They are known to host festivals in the spring at Live Oak Campground, which is a three-day transformational art and music festival with 5,000 participants every year. Due to the current pandemic this year, Lucidity will be hosting a virtual event for our very own Isla Vista. Tune in to great DJs, raffles, and cash prizes, costume contests, musical and artistic performances, and a safe time. KCSB's Pia Ramos spoke with Jonah Gabriel Haas, Lucidity Marketing Manager and Co-Founder, to find out more about what's being planned for the big virtual event. Can you tell us more about Lucidity and how the organization came together? Well, in 2011, a bunch of us got together and created a Burning Man art installation called Walkabout Woods. And that was sort of a project of Fishbone. We were building it at a warehouse space down on Garden Street. And it was a super collaborative project that had probably like 70 or 80 artists over the course of the project coming and building these trees that we created this super immersive forest. And we had a 20 foot climbable pyramid and things hidden in the forest that you could interact with. And we brought it to a bunch of different festivals, Lightning in a Bottle and an Insomniac event down in uh, LA and then Burning Man. And in the process of doing that, we realized that going to these different festivals, there's a lot of really cool art and community that's going on in Santa Barbara. And, uh, and so, yeah, in 2012, we just dove in and, and did it for the first time and it was successful. And so we've been doing it every year since, uh, minus this past year because of COVID. 
How did Lucidity choose to bring the rents to Ivy? Why, why Isla Vista? Yeah, cool. Good question. We've actually been in communication with the Isla Vista Community Service District for a number of years now. Our first event that we produced in Isla Vista goes all the way back to after the tragic shooting that happened. We produced a free healing event um, in Anascoyo Park um, between Lucidity Festival and one of our partner organizations called I Am Healing. And we offered uh, massage and body work, Reiki, sound healing, and then had some um, music in the evening. And it was just a free offering to the community as a way for people to gather and process what they were going through. We had some uh, Chumash elders who came and did uh, a cleansing healing walk through the streets. And it was a really powerful event. Some of the feedback that we got from people in Isla Vista is, wow, we wish that you guys would come and produce events here more often. But over the last couple of years, we've been talking to the Isla Vista Community Service District, and they actually were interested in us producing an event um, during Deltopia. They, in the lead up to Halloween, were sort of posing some of the same questions, like how do we create a safe alternative to Halloween during COVID times when we don't want people out gathering in mass gatherings or on the streets necessarily? Um, and so they came back to us and they said, hey, do you guys want to do a virtual event for Isla Vista? And we said yes. And here we are. So with that being said, what would you say are the challenges of shifting from live to virtual events? What's easier? What's harder? Logistics are certainly easier because you're not having to ship like steak bed trucks full of materials and bamboo and build structures and bring in porta potties and there's so many things that you don't need in the virtual space. The virtual space is really about good content, smooth technology and good marketing. The main thing about the virtual events that you don't have to do for live events is get the sort of technology cocktail right and the live streaming it's, you know, it's not as simple as it might seem at first. There's a lot of different things that go into it to create the right bells and whistles, to be able to restream one stream to multiple different platforms at the same time, to be able to get audio from bands and make sure that that audio is then transferring in, in high quality to viewers. There's a lot of considerations like that that go into the virtual events that you don't have to worry about for the live events. Who or what should students expect coming into this live stream? It's going to be six hours long, and it's happening on Friday evening into beyond midnight of Halloween. So we're sort of imagining it as like bringing in Halloween. For our stream, what people can expect is it's going to be kind of like a variety show. We're going to have two or three local bands. Uh, we're going to have an open mic segment that people are submitting content for uh, right now. And then we also have some awesome contests where people can win cash prizes. There's going to be a best carved jack-o'-lantern contest, a best individual costume contest. And then the grand prize is a best group costume contest. So like a best themed group costume with your household. And the prize for that is a thousand bucks. So a household could win a thousand dollars by just having an awesome costume. The way the stream is going to work is 
people who register are going to get a uh, Zoom room. And this is our like sort of backstage party room where people can tune in. You can see everybody else on the stream. You can interact with people on the chat. And then that's how we're going to be able to facilitate things like the costume contest is people will be able to show their costumes on their video and our panel of judges will select the winners. In addition to the back room, Zoom room, we also have a like front facing live stream, which is where all the content is going to be broadcast. And that'll be nicely designed, beautiful and dynamic. That's the how people are gonna hear the best quality audio. And so the optimal viewing experience will be to tune into the back room, Zoom room on one device and allow that to be your camera and your way to interact with other people in the party. And then to have another device with the live stream on or the audio on so that you're hearing the produced output and the highest quality audio and you get to see, you know, the end result. And then at different times throughout, we'll be like spotlighting video from the backroom Zoom room and that will be broadcast onto the front, um, the, the broadcast. So we want to create an experience that's not just like you're watching something. It's an experience that's highly participatory and immersive. And there's lots of ways for people to be featured through the open mic and through the contests. And then through just having, if they're dancing in the living room, we're probably going to spotlight them onto the, onto the cast. Yeah. So to wrap things up, is there anything else that you would like to add? No, I appreciate uh, the feature and uh, I hope that people tune in. It's a totally free event. There's the opportunity to win cash. We're also going to be giving away Lucidity Festival tickets throughout the stream. Um, it's going to be a fun time, a party at home, Halloween at home. Oh, and it's going to be my 40th birthday. <laughs> That's awesome. Happy early birthday, Jonah. And thank you so much for your time today. That's KCSB's Pia Ramos speaking with Jonah Gabriel Haas of Lucidity Festivals about Friday night's party, Halloween at Home, Virtually Lucid in Isla Vista. The event will be October 30th to 31st, from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. open to the community. More information to find out how to register can be found at kcsb.org. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Ashley Rush with KCSB News. As COVID-19 cases in most of Santa Barbara County are on the decline, things are heating up in Isla Vista. Since fall quarter at UCSB began, there have been large weekend parties in Isla Vista. And this week, there are COVID outbreaks at five fraternities and sororities, plus other houses in the area. To find out about what UCSB administrators are doing to try and curb COVID cases among students, KCSB's Alex Goldberg spoke with UCSB's Dr. Laura Polito. My name is Dr. Laura Polito, she, her, hers, and I am the former associate medical director at UCSB Student Health Services, but in late July, early August, I moved over to the chancellor's office to uh, take up a position on the COVID response team. So now I am working as the medical director of the COVID response team here at UCSB. Great. So nice to meet you. Today on KCSB, I wanted to start off by talking about the status of student testing. Could you provide any details on the number of student cases in Isla Vista and plans to mitigate the spread of COVID-19? Sure. So we actually do have 
um, quite a few cases in Isla Vista at the moment. Um, we have around 100 active cases right now, um, and that is in UCSB students only. That is not in anybody else in Isla Vista. So um, what the correct response in a public health um, realm for this kind of situation is actually to increase the testing and see if we can interfere with the transmission of this virus. So to that end, um, we, we've been working for several months to increase our testing capacity here at UCSB. And so what we are doing is we are trying to offer more and more testing to more and more people so that we can really track down this virus and stop its spread. At the moment, we have offered um, weekly testing to everybody who lives on campus in any kind of campus housing. We're offering testing to anybody who works on campus, um, and that includes students, staff, and faculty. Um, testing is um, being provided for anybody who has an in-person class. So we do have a few in-person classes going on this quarter um, in the theater and dance department, the ROTC department, very few and um, with a lot of uh, social distancing measures, but we are testing um, that group as well. We have a couple of athletic teams practicing and so they are also being tested. We're working on ramping up uh, asymptomatic testing, which is testing in people who don't have any symptoms for really a large portion of the UCSB community, um, because that really is the way to mitigate this virus. Can you speak a little bit about the ambitious plan to do 5,000 tests a week? What will this entail? Absolutely. So the uh, we're actually really excited about this. Our biggest hurdle, we have several hurdles, hurdles to this particular project, but our biggest hurdle really is hiring the amount of people that it will take to really um, collect that number of samples, to process that number of samples, and then to distribute the results of those samples, and then track down all those people and make sure that their contacts are also protected. So um, really uh, getting the personnel um, hired and trained um, and on board here at uh, UCSB to do that has really been our biggest hurdle. Um, we're almost there. We have the capability now to um, test really almost a thousand people a day. Um, so, so I think we are finally at the point where we'll be able to pull off a thousand tests, uh, a thousand tests a week, which is uh, a day, which is five thousand tests a week. Does UCSB plan on taking stronger action towards public health violators now that Santa Barbara is at risk of staying in place or even reverting back to the purple zone if cases continue to grow? Yeah, that's a big concern, isn't it? Um, so I do have to, to qualify this by saying I am really focused on um, on the medical side of this. So um, my whole goal is really to um, intervene with the spread of the virus um, in, in a medical fashion. So um, what I really like to do is I really uh, like to train my team and have my team really forming relationships with people um, more to encourage correct behavior rather than punish incorrect behavior. Um, and, and that is a, it, an excellent place to start. So that's what the student health services team does. That's what the, um, 
the case investigation and case management team does. Um, that's what the housing group is doing. Um, but there are uh, several different ways um, that the university and actually the county are um, trying to mitigate the people who violate the public health orders. So I think um, there's, a, there's a couple really interesting factors to this that I think people should be aware of that um, even though a lot of the policies sort of come across um, from the public health department as, you know, suggestions and uh, kind of like, you know, getting advice from a, from a nurse or a physician, like, you know, we really suggest this is how you protect yourself. The truth is that the limits on gatherings and the masking um, and the social distancing, those are really public health orders. Um, because of that, the Santa Barbara County Public Health Department can actually, if people are violating um, public health orders on a repeated basis, um, they actually can enforce that. Um, they can um, fine people. Um, if people are really posing, this has not happened yet in this pandemic, but if people are really um, posing a public health risk, they actually can um, like remove that person from their house. So that's absolutely the last ditch effort that people want to be making. But the, but the public health department can enforce their own orders. The student conduct office here at, at UCSB has been involved with some um, groups that have been repeat violators. Um, the truth is that once student conduct gets involved, um, they really only have seen a couple of people repeat violate. And I, I'll let student conduct you know, kind of lay out their whole um, their whole system on on how they deal with that. Um, but the truth is, is that once people hear from somebody on campus, you know, you, you really are doing doing things that you shouldn't be doing. They do tend to stop doing it. Um, but uh, the student conduct office do, can also enforce um, the campus rules around um, around COVID nineteen as well. Got it. That makes sense. I know COVID can be an exhausting topic. Can you offer any good news about what is happening around the community or even on a larger scale? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. COVID is exhausting. The COVID mitigation measures are exhausting. Um, it, it really has changed it, really everything we do, right? So um, some of the things that we're looking at um, in terms of what can we do to mitigate this pandemic and what can we do to um, really keep people safe? So some of the good news is that um, masking, actually the more data we get about it, the more data um, shows that it really does work. Um, it really does intervene with transmission of the virus. Um, when people do get COVID-19 and from somebody who has been masked and they were masked, the severity of the disease is much less. Um, so not only do masks prevent you from getting it or giving it to somebody, they also can prevent you from getting as sick. Um, so masking really does work. In fact, I don't know if you heard um, Dr. Anthony Fauci's interview last week, um, but his he just made the statement that if 95% of the country um, would wear masks, we could get ourselves out of this pandemic. Um, so I think that's absolutely true on a community level as well. Um, 
if we could get 95% of people doing things like masking and social distancing um, and avoiding large gatherings for a significant period of time, we could, we could turn this around. There, there are several vaccines that are being developed. Um, there's one in Britain right now um, that is actually, it's been in human, um, human trials for a while now, and they are actually now taking what a lot of people view as a risky but necessary step of um, giving the pe giving people the vaccine and now they're taking that next step and exposing people to the virus, um, which is risky with a virus that has that still has about a, a two to three percent fatality rate. That's that's pretty risky. But um, and they do this with informed consent of all the people participating, but they are that confident in their vaccine. So. Um, we are hopeful that there will be a vaccine coming. Um, Dr. Fauci also said um, earlier this week that he felt that there would probably be a vaccine with limited availability by the end of the year, which means it would probably be widely available by really this time of 2021, so fall of 2021. Um, and that's encouraging, um, particularly given the fact that there have been some questions about how safe and effective a COVID vaccine would be. Um, so, so I think that that's, that's very encouraging. Wow, that's great to hear. Thank you so much for joining me with our discussion today. Is there anything else you'd like to add to the interview? You know what, I think that we just really are hoping um, from the medical team point of view, I think we're really hoping to get the message out that, um, you know, this, this really is a team effort. And it really is going to be the efforts made by the UCSB students themselves that is really going to bring this home, that is really going to enable us to get to the point where we can intervene with the transmission of this virus. So I guess I would just continue to ask for everybody's cooperation with masking and social distancing and testing. Um, you know, if someone on the team um, calls you for contact tracing, please, you know, cooperate with them. Um, we are not going to punish you for, you know, if you've been, if you've been at an event that maybe um, you shouldn't have been at, we're, we're not going to punish you. That's not what we're looking to do. We're looking simply to intervene with the transmission of this virus. So yeah, cooperation with our team, cooperation with the masking, with the testing, and we'll all get through this together. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. That's KCSB's Alexandra Goldberg speaking with Dr. Laura Polito, head of UCSB COVID-19 response team, about what's being done to contain an outbreak of coronavirus cases among students at UCSB. As Dr. Polito mentioned at the beginning of their conversation, around 100 UCSB students have tested positive for COVID-19. You have been listening to Inside Isla Vista, Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around IV. I'm Ashley Rush. Our theme music is Siesta by Jawser. This is 91.9 FM KCSB.